Alrighty, good afternoon everyone. This is Guru and the Wiz, Fantasy Football Podcast. Moving ever closer to Labor Day weekend. That's when a lot of these drafts are going to take place. Uh, Wiz, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, actually, fresh off, I, last night I did a couple of uh, mock drafts. I did one snake and I did one um, auction draft. Uh, some interesting observations I have coming out of that auction draft. Actually, I was pleasantly surprised last night uh, in my ESPN mock draft that people actually stuck around for about eight or nine rounds in the, in the auction before uh, starting to escape. I thought that was a good deal. But, uh, man, there is such disparity in those ESPN salary caps. Oh, my goodness gracious. You're, you're paying up for the top talent, and there is a whole load of bargain basement players uh, to be picked at the end of your draft. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I think I think some of this stuff is is very interesting, and I, I think that's probably one of the most enjoyable, fun uh, things about fantasy football is the, is is the differing of opinions. I mean, it's uh, it uh, it kind of like settles arguments, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's out there for everyone to see if you're right or wrong about a particular player. And I think uh, you know that's what we're going to do in this podcast. We're going to talk about each position, uh, the offensive positions, uh, quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end, and talk about some players which seem to be making these meteoric rises in the rankings and maybe some players that are kind of like forgotten about. And, uh, you know, we could um, talk about that and uh, see how we feel about each of these players. So uh, are you uh, are you up for that? Oh, no, I'm d- definitely up for that. I think it's kind of interesting. I-, I feel that this year, may- maybe I'm wrong, but – it's probably the most clear picture that we have with the exception of maybe one team at this point in time in terms of who's going to be starting at quarterback. Like normally you'll, you'll have a competition at quarterback you know, for a, basically five or six teams coming into the NFL season. This year I feel like there's almost nothing going on at the quarterback position. Would, would, you, uh, would you say that's correct? Yeah, I would say I would say that's I would say that's probably right. I think there's still you know a few teams, uh, you know, New England a little bit. Even though I think conventional wisdom is that Cam Newton will be the starter. Um, you know, some interesting stuff maybe with the Washington football team, and then you have the, the team that drafted. The, you know, well we know that Burrow is going to be quarterbacking for Cincinnati, and then you have the two other quarterbacks that were drafted early too. And um, and um, and Herbert for the Chargers and seeing you know at what point uh, they eventually take over the starter. And so there are a few teams I would I would agree for the most part kind of you know set you know kind of like set in stone uh, for probably a good 27, 28 of the teams for sure. All right, so so let let's take on uh, a few a few of those situations and I am going to start I'm going to start with that Washington football team first. First of all, you know, if you guys haven't watched this Project 11 uh, show on ESPN which is really following um, Alex Smith's journey post this injury, it's a remarkable story was I don't know if you've seen it. Um, we haven't talked about it but I, I was incredibly moved watching it. It's amazing that he's been cleared for activities after what this individual has been through. Um, you know, there's no marriage here to, to Dwayne Haskins. It would be a, a remarkable story if Alex Smith was the starting quarterback for the for the uh, Washington football team. But um, 
So, so let's start with that situation um, and, and how do you feel about it at this point in time? Is it just too challenging for, for Smith, you know, fresh off this injury? Uh, and give yeah, it- I think it is. I mean, I think if he plays all a little bit, I think, you know, that would be <clears throat> that, that would be remarkable in itself. But, you know, I've seen him and he has to overcome physical and mental hurdles. Still, uh, he's got a lot of contraptions uh, on his body still. So, um, in terms of braces and things that he's wearing, so uh, I think I think you know while it's a wonderful story, it would be kind of you know I think maybe a bit unrealistic at this point to see that Alex Smith is going to be playing a lot of football this year. If he gets in the all, <clears throat> I think that would be tremendous. And like you said, this coaching staff and you know they're not married to the Dwayne Haskins pick that was made. Um, you know I don't think Kyle Allen is is great either. So. I'm not quite sure what is going to happen there. I wouldn't be surprised if any of those three scenarios took place. Haskins held on to it, Allen became the starter, or Alex Smith at some point got in there. I can't really advise or guide about which player. The one thing I can advise and guide is do not draft any of those quarterbacks. Just stay away from that Washington football team in terms of quarterbacks. Do you – have a different view or do you kind of agree with that you know i i don't have a different view uh it's a complicated situation uh, you know it's amazing that the team seems to just can't get away from challenges and, and you know the recent news this week about ron rivera dealing with cancer and potentially jack del rio would be taking over if he needed to step away from the team it just it seems, seems like the hits keep coming for for this football team ron rivera is one of the one of the true good guys in the nfl so Hoping that he can kind of change change direction of this franchise, but uh, and I think it, it you know it, it adds to some complexities around drafting the uh, the offensive skill players on the Redskins. But yeah, I, I would be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that that that's true, especially with a player like McLaurin, who's a good wide receiver. And boy, if he had some good strong quarterback play, he would even be further up the rankings. But I'll tell you, one quarterback that I want to talk about, which is seems to be making the most uh, powerful meteoric rise up the draft boards. And I find it so interesting because the last, I don't know, four, five years in terms of fantasy, he wasn't even top 12 or 15. But now, unbelievably, at the age of 43, Tom Brady is flying up the draft boards quarterback one inside the top 10 i've seen some some thoughts and some by some people that he could be a top five quarterback this year i mean i know i know you like him you like that offense and they have tremendous skilled players especially at the wide receiver position so are you a buyer of this tom brady meteoric rise are you believing in that yeah i think the the euphoria is is correct um you know tom brady takes care of himself better than most any player uh the the few glimpses i've seen he seems to have good velocity getting the ball down the field uh a lot of uh great great interview i I heard the other day with um with one of the beat reporters there and and how much coaching that Brady's actually doing. I know Peter King actually highlighted it in his article this week too. So I, look, I love Godwin. I love Evans. You know, they're going to play two tight ends as their base offense. I think there's a lot to like there. And I think Brady is reinvigorated. And this is a guy who's always seems to be trying to 
prove something in his career. Uh, and I think he made some comments along the lines this is the first time he's really played under a real offensive scheme where offense was first more than anything else. So I'm excited for it. Um, you know, I, I had, I, as you know, I nearly fought with my partner uh, over drafting Brady last year. I wanted nothing to do with him, but uh, I'll probably have a much different mindset about Tom Brady this year. So the guru is a believer. He's a Tom Brady believer. Um, I, I, another player that I, I as another player that I know you, we have different views on. You like the player much more than I do, but I got to say I've seen it, I've seen some steam uh, about this player, and he seems to be have some uh, sort of some momentum. Is uh, Daniel Jones and. Uh, you know, you know. I, I think if that giant offense can stay intact, I think you know they'll 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 certainly be formidable. Considering that it all goes around the great Saquon Barkley, and if the receivers could stay on the field and Evan Ingram could stay on the field, uh, I think they could be formidable. But I see you know a lot of momentum about Daniel Jones. Are you a continuing believer of Daniel Jones this year? Yeah, I, I think you know, as a second quarterback is, is where I'm going to lean as, as as Daniel Jones or part of a quarterback rotation. You know, we've kind of talked about – I think there's four quarterbacks for me, like sitting in that, you know, whatever, 15, 20 rank that, that intrigue me. Two are old guys, two are young guys. Yeah, so Daniel Jones is one of those players, and I'm a believer in that still. Uh, again, Ingram staying on the field, Sterling Shepard staying on the field. I'm, I'm – I'm, Excited about Darius Slayton continuing to get, get better. I think this defense is not great, so they'll be playing from behind a lot. And as we've noted before, you know, Daniel Jones, if he can take care of the football, fantastic. Because behind last year, behind Lamar Jackson, he was number two in fantasy points with games over 30 fantasy points, which is pretty remarkable as, as a rookie. So taking care of that football will be important. He comes in about 10 pounds heavier. He looks like he's taking over that leadership role well. So, yeah, I'm a believer in that. I, I would also say... I'm a believer in Gardner Minshew because I think the dimension of that offense is going to change a little bit. And then the two old guys who I like to, to really step up, um, you know, and again, you can employ, a, I would employ some kind of um, round robin type strategy around these four guys between Minshew, um, uh, Daniel Jones, Ben Roethlisberger, and Phillip Rivers. I'm excited about those two old guys and the offenses that they are in this year. Yeah, I mean, um, I, the thing about Daniel Jones is I, I have just a little bit of a different view. I, I think he could be a good fantasy quarterback, but I think he's he has – I hate to compare him, a young player to Jameis Winston, but I, I, I'm – not the same type of player, not the mistakes, different type of mistakes. You know, Jones is not going to throw the interceptions at that rate, but Jones definitely has ball security issues. When I think about Daniel Jones, I'm just wondering, is he going to be a great garbage-time fantasy quarterback as opposed to a really solid NFL quarterback that helps his team win and leads his team, you know, maybe close to making the playoffs or becoming formidable again? So I'm a little dubious still about Daniel Jones. Uh, we'll have to take uh, the wait-and-see approach, um, at least for me, I will. One quarterback that is completely going in the other direction, and you could put this under the heading of what a difference a year makes, is at this time last year, Baker Mayfield 
was creeping into the top five or six on a lot of draft boards in terms of quarterbacks for last year, certainly in the top 10, top 12, uh, and, and even higher, you know, like I said, maybe even approaching top five. And one year later, he is a complete afterthought. Now, I don't know exactly what your view is on Baker this year, but I'll tell you what my view is on him. I think with this new coaching staff, I think he can be an actually actually a better quarterback, a more efficient quarterback. But from a fantasy perspective, I just don't see it because this coaching staff is not going to put up with the same nonsense that's gone on with Baker Mayfield last year. Uh, the decision-making, the play-calling, the abandoning of the pocket – being such a selfish player. Um, so I think Baker is not going to be a great fantasy quarterback. And I think his ranking, you know, maybe is about right. But I think he'll be more of an efficient quarterback and actually can help the Browns a lot this year if he, if he stays within himself. So what are your thoughts on Baker, who has gone from everyone's golden boy to a forgotten boy this year? I think I think the, the I think the coaching staff, as you mentioned, it'll, it'll be a real coaching staff as opposed to the one that was in place last year, and one that will probably emphasize the run a little bit more. I'll, I'll be very curious to see how that gets handled by by the receivers uh, on this team. Um, I think they'll play two tight ends a lot, um, so it'll it'll be an effective offense uh, from a fantasy fantasy perspective. Probably not a lot of allure there for me. But you know, as a team, I, I think I think they'll they'll, they'll be better for it uh, playing in this playing in this offensive system. Well, one other quarterback that I just wanted to you know, and then you could talk about any other guys that you, you wanted at the position. One one other quarterback that is very difficult to kind of figure out what to do. I know you were so frustrated with him and the Rams last year is Jared Goff, and. You know, it's interesting because the Rams completely switched their offense, how they wanted to play offense, kind of second half last year. They played with a lot of 12 personnel. They wanted to play with a lot of two tight ends on the field. They wanted to run the ball. And that helped their offensive line because their offensive line cannot hold up with Goff throwing the ball 30, 35 times a game. That being said, if you look at the skill players on this team, they do not have a bad player. Not only don't they have a bad player, every guy is either good, very good, or outstanding. The running backs, Akers, Henderson, and Malcolm Brown, all bring different dimensions, all good players. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are a dynamic one-two punch. Josh Reynolds, I felt, was always the best fourth receiver in the NFL. He kind of slips into that three spot this year. They drafted Van Jefferson. They kind of like him. And their duo with tight end, Tyler Higby, the last five to six weeks of the season, he looked like Gronk in his prime. If you look up Tyler Higby's numbers, when they were playing with that 12 personnel, Goff is going to him early and often. Gerald Everett's a good complimentary tight end, bringing a different skill set, not the blocker that Higby is, but he certainly has wide receiver athleticism at the tight end spot. So what do you make of Jared Goff considering, number one, they kind of change their offense around, but two, their skill players cannot be denied how talented they are. So what do you do with Jared Goff? I mean, for me, I saw enough last year. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the player bounced back. I think he struggled when he was 
out of the pocket and pl- and passing on the run. He missed guys consistently consistently out of the pocket. Um, so for me, I'm 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 going to probably stand clear of, of Goff the quarterback. I'd rather take the chances on the, on the skill skill position players um, because I think they are very good players. The remarkable consistency of both uh, Cup and Woods, as you mentioned. So. But you know, I think I think I would not be surprised to see Goff uh, bounce back a bit. You know, he had, he had a he had an inconsistent season last year, um, but I, I'll probably lean away from that player just based on seeing enough last year. Fair enough. Uh, were there any quarterbacks you wanted to add, or were you going to go to running backs? Or I, I, I guess some thoughts. I, I guess the only other thoughts I have, and, and this being an atypical year, is that you know it seems very likely that the incumbents are going to. Well, the incumbents or vet slash veterans are going to be the ones that start, and that will be the case in Miami. That will be the case for the Los Angeles Chargers and Tyrod Taylor, uh, and most likely be the case. Um, actually, I'm I, I'm curious. You know, the Chicago situation where both Foles and Trubisky are, are splitting reps straight down the middle. I listened to an interview with Matt Nagy uh, yesterday on the NFL Network. Um, I couldn't tell which direction he was going in. Um, they actually had Trubisky and Foles on. I don't know who the hell's going to start there. Um, I, I am actually fascinated by one thing there, but we'll talk about that in, in the running back slot. But um, I don't know the situation. And, and, and one player I have not heard boo about uh, all during this training camp so far is Marcus Mariota was brought in to potentially uh, unseat uh, da- uh, uh, David Carr. Uh, sorry, Derek Carr, Carr, Derek Carr. But uh, there's been absolutely no mention of uh, Mariota, as far as I can see. So, uh, so those are situations. Yeah, I mean, Derek Carr is going to get the first opportunity, and uh, you know. But I just feel like Gruden will not hesitate to pull the trigger on on, on Mariota if if it starts not you know not going well. So you know, it's one of those things where. You know, you got to have a strong stomach, I think, if you draft Carr uh, and you're counting on him. Um, and, uh, and and I just want to say one thing about Joe Burrow. Um, I like the player. I, you know, he's he, he's got that coolness. He's got that mobility. He understands where to go with the ball. But this is going to be some dramatic um, switch for him going from – the best offensive line in college football or one of the top two or three best offensive lines in football, NFL-type players at the skill position, some are already in the NFL, some are going to be in the NFL, and going from that to probably the worst offensive line in the NFL, and then not only that, you're going up against teams like the Ravens and the Steelers who could really kind of get after you um, defensively there. So um, I think I think with Joe Burrow, it's going to be an interesting situation. Uh, you know, he, he's going from one situation to a completely different one, and uh, he, he's going to take some lumps this year. Um, how he handles it will be the thing, but r- rest assured, as good as he is, he's going to take some lumps, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see his development over the years. Yeah, and I think that offense as a whole regressed completely last year under the new coaching staff. Uh, you know, from from the previous year, they, they were. I mean, granted, they did have injuries, but uh, you know, it was a regression. So you know, uh, Zach Taylor has to respond as a coach as well. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. 
All right, so let's let's uh, let's let's move along to the running back position, and um, you cannot talk about the running back position in terms of meteoric rises without first mentioning Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I have never ever seen anything like this, um, where a rookie's drafted, and you know I've seen rookies come in, whatever, and they're, they're you know immediately like a, a player like Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley, you think is going to be a top five guy, but I've never seen a situation where a, a running back is drafted in theory as a backup. The, the the incumbent running back helped was was one of the best players to helping the team win the Super Bowl, and then the player opts out. The incumbent opts out, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire comes from a guy that's going to be like maybe the 1A to not only the 1, where he is clearly on everyone's board a top 10 back, a top 5 back, and I've seen drafts where he has been the first player overall taken. I've never seen anything like this. They are drafting it like they got – you know, the the newspaper at the end of the year showing his stats for the year, like it's a can't miss sure things above some guys who have proven to be great players. So um, wh- what do you what do you make of the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire meteoric rise to where he's being drafted in some of these leagues? Yeah, it's pretty surprising how, how, how quickly he's moved up, um, but the situation has changed. There are a couple of other running backs there, and Darwin Thompson and Darrell Williams and, and, um, and the kid Washington, Dwayne Washington from, uh, from the Raiders who are going to be there as well. So I don't know. I, I mean, look, I think everybody wants to find the next Christian McCaffrey sort of thing, um, and there's a lot of people that want to hop on that train. So his value will be... Probably higher, especially in dynasty leagues, probably higher than it would have been normally. But um, look, the guy drew comparisons to Brian Westbrook. Brian Westbrook was one of my favorite players ever in fantasy. Uh, Andy Reid coached him in Philadelphia. Uh, He he thinks he could be even better. So uh, that's a ringing endorsement right there. Uh, So I do understand the excitement around the player. You know, would I be drafting him over a Miles Sanders or a Joe Mixon or an Austin Eckler? Me, no. Or, you know, I wouldn't be, but... uh, but that's where he's going, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out for people. Well, so uh, so let's get to a little bit more specific. If you're drafting at the end of round one, and um, McCaffrey and Elliott and Barkley and Kamara and Cook and Henry and Jacobs are off the board, along with maybe uh, you know Mike Thomas, and you're kind of left with that pick of. Edwards Hilaire or Kenyon Drake or Austin Eckler, you know, what are you doing there? Are, are you, what's the point where you're pulling the trigger on Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Is it the end of the first round or in your mind, do you not think he should be a first round pick? Uh, you know, I'd say somewhere between, you know, somewhere between that 12th and 18th position is where I think the player should be taken. Uh, but, but I don't think that, but I'm probably in the minority in that I, I, I'm going to be more interested to take a guy like Mixon or Eckler or Miles Sanders in that position than I am to take uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire. I think Mixon could be off the board. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, what about like the Edwards Alaire, Kenyon Drake? Uh, you know, like Aaron Jones uh, scenario, which it seems more likely because there's a chance that Edward Solera could be taken before Mixon. But, you know, there are people who also maybe want to take the player that uh, 
that is, uh, you know, that 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 is a little bit more proven. So, what do you do with with that when you have the, you know, a, a scenario like that? Well, Nick Chubb is going behind Edwards Hilaire, and I would not reverse those two players. I would take Chubb before Hilaire. Right. So, 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 and I definitely would, I, I would much rather take, I know there's a lot of naysayers on, I have seen a lot of naysayers on Kenyon Drake, but that offensive is conducive to him succeeding. Um, they spread it out. The fronts that he's going to be facing are going to be marginal fronts. He's not facing eight, seven and eight man fronts. So I, I would much rather take Kenyon Drake in, in my opinion, than, than go after Clyde Edwards Alaire, who, who, by the way, has to share a so much in that offense. There's so many weapons. So I, that's just me. You know, call me crazy, but that's just my impression. Yeah, a lot of people do call you crazy, but <laughs> for this, for this, for, for this purpose, I, I would kind of agree with you. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell was a guy just a few years ago was the first, second, third player. I mean, taken in in these drafts. I mean, so valuable with his receiving ability. And now it's only a few years later. His second year with the Jets, he is not only a top, not a top five. He's not considered a running back run, one, not in the top twelve. He's kind of you know somewhere being drafted and running back, not even overall players, just running back in that fifteen to twenty range. So. Le'Veon Bell, is there value with that player because he's fallen so far off the glory days? Or do you think that's about right? You don't like him in the Jets system. You know, where are you on Le'Veon Bell, where he's being drafted, and, you know, the fact that he's kind of like a forgotten guy now? Look, they have a new offensive line. They've spent a decent amount of money, and they went in the draft and, and, and got Mekhi Becton. Um, I don't trust this offense as a whole. Uh, I don't trust Darnold. Uh, I don't trust the skill set positions. I mean, his last year, Le'Veon Bell, you know, the fact that he had any relevance in fantasy was, was a result of him catching the ball in, in a games that they were behind in a lot of those games. So, you know, guys like Bell, I think that he falls into the same similar category in terms of uh, usage as a, as a Gurley and a, and a David Johnson. They're in good, good positions to succeed because of the players that they're surrounded with and the systems that they're in. But you know, I won't be drafting any of those three guys. Uh, and so I, mean, I, know, I know you asked me specifically on Bell. So I, I think just another year older, I just, I don't, the gay stuff, I just, I just it's, a, it's a situation that I want to avoid. Yeah, I think um, it's a very interesting situation. I, I, I don't like the head coach. I don't necessarily like how he's used. But I, I think that, you know, there's a chance he could get a lot of volume. <laughs> Frank Gorent is the picture, so uh, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit concerned about him as well. Well, one rookie that I want to talk about is this 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 battle at the OK Corral between DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson. This is such an interesting one. Uh, depending on you know what you look at and who you talk to. You know, they have one player over the other. DeAndre Swift seems to be getting a lot of momentum now that, you know, he is going to maybe start off. Um, it's kind of like a 1-1-A would carry on, but, you know, is going to overtake him. So, you know, what do you do? The situation is completely different because then, then a player like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who you almost know is going to be at the top of the depth chart in the elite offense, and there's a lot to like about him. You're just not sure if you draft that player that high. What about a DeAndre Swift who seems to be like in this 
real battle with a player that they're almost equal in ability. They do a lot of the same things. Um, you know, you could be really hit the jackpot if one of them were to be injured and the other guy was to, to get all of the lion's shares of those carries. So what do you do in that DeAndre Swift, on Johnson matchup? Yeah, you know, I I don't trust on Johnson because he's just shown you the inability to stay on the field and be healthy. So I'd rather take the chance with the younger guy, um, thinking that he's going to be the guy that's going to be out producing uh, the, the incumbent running back. And the incumbent running back just has not played enough games over the past two years. When he has played, he's been okay. But fact of the matter is, he's not been able to consistently play uh, a full season, and that uh, that hurts his value, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, I want to talk about one other guy, and then give you a chance if you have any other running backs you want you want to talk about. The guy that I know you like and has been talking up, and boy, oh boy, Darius Geis out of the picture, and it looks like Antonio Gibson is battling. A very old Adrian Peterson and some players who haven't been able to stay on the field. And there is a lot of steam and momentum and the tailwind behind Antonio Gibson, who, you know, it wasn't even ranked in the top 50 at the position. And, you know, if if the Redskins get off to a bad start and they're thinking about next year and they're saying, what the heck, we're going to play all our young players and see what they got, get them on film – and Antonio Gibson gets a chance to play, you know, he could do some stuff. So are you stronger in your views on Antonio Gibson at this point than you ever have? Um, I think, to me, it smells one-third, one-third, one-third in terms of usage in, in, in Washington. Uh, you know, Peterson still is remarkable at age 35. Um Bryce Love is actually making some noise, uh, and I think he's more of a traditional running back as opposed to Gibson, who's kind of a jack-of-all-trades and, and can be moved around in different positions. So I, I think Gibson's going to catch a lot of balls for them. I'm not sure how much run, running he's going to do, at least at the start of this season, uh, and it's going to be dependent on it. But I think, I think the Washington running back situation will be a little bit murky, and, and, and the workload will probably be divided by the three of those players. Because it certainly sounds like Love is making some significant strides after being out all of last year. Uh, Bryce Love was tremendous as a junior at Stanford. Um, he took a bad injury as a senior and uh, missed all of last year. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm, I'm still excited about Gibson uh, and the commentary around him. Um, but I'm 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 a slightly less reluctant thinking that that workload could get split up one third each. I'm not sure about that. I, I don't know how a guy like Bryce Love is gonna come in there after missing so much time. It usually takes much more time to get back and be right and recover. And uh, you know, it just Gibson just brings an entire different skill set than the other two guys. Um, certainly in receiving and his speed and quickness and you know getting downfield and. Uh, you know, all the respect to Adrian Peterson because I think he still is a, has starting running back ability. I just don't know if the Redskins get off to a bad start, what their motivation is going to be to keep playing these, you know, veteran players and not like hand over a lot of it to Gibson. So I think that's <clears throat> that's something to look at. Um, are there any other running backs either? 
moving up the draft boards, moving down the draft boards that you wanted to touch base on? Well, I think there's just a number of situations where young guys are coming into into the fold, and, and, and that would be, you know, when we look at the Rams, there's a bunch of guys there. We look at Zach Moss joining Buffalo, um, J.K. Dobbins joining the Ravens. I'm still overall the opinion that, that, that those workloads will be kind of Tilted towards the, you know, at least in the case early in the season, Singletary, you know, will do most of the damage in Buffalo, and I think Ingram the same um, for for the Ravens. So I'm not buying the hype quite there. I still think in in Denver, I think I'm uncomfortable with Melvin Gordon. I still think Lindsey is the top fantasy running back there when all is said and done. Uh, you mentioned Aaron Jones earlier. Uh, the pictures are, are pretty scary, and I saw a few highlights of him chugging down the field. A.J. Dillon is going to be finishing games, and he's going to be finishing drives. And I still say that Aaron Jones is a player who I absolutely had to have last year, and I've never done so such a quick reversal on a player. He will be a player that I will not own this year. Absolutely not own the player. I just think those touchdown totals will absolutely plummet. Um, I know that's, you know, that's an aggressive call. Um, just a couple of other situations. I personally think Raheem Mostert is going to be the guy in, in San Francisco. Uh, I think Te- uh, Tevin Coleman is more slated to be that number two guy. And just two guys I'm going to mention. I'm just going to put them on people's radars. One is Cordero Patterson in Chicago, who is spending all of his time in the running back room. And when you look at the running back court, there is potentially room to make some noise there. So that's one player I'll mention. And the other, the Sony Michelle stuff seems like it's going in the wrong direction. And the guy who was drafted last year for the Patriots, Damian Harris, seems to be making the most of his opportunity in terms of his first team reps. So those are two players I would uh, kind of keep an eye on. I, I know Patterson is not going to be a traditional one, but he's sitting in that running back room. And the guy is a, the guy is really an incredible athlete. So just a couple of little things that are on my mind. That's all. So I'm assuming that uh, <clears throat> Damian Harris and Cordero Patterson will be coming to a TikTok video near you soon, courtesy of the guru. Yeah, there's, a, there's a potential for that. There's a potential for that. Did, did you have any uh, any opinion on any of those situations that I kind of mentioned? You, you covered quickly a lot of a lot of the guys. I think the Rams situation is is really one of the most interesting that I've seen because it's not really about two players. It's three players. They do different things. And, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. And it's going to make drafts uh, very interesting. Agree with you about Mostert. Uh, yeah, so – um, let's move. Let's move to the wide receiver position, um, and let's just talk about some players that are are moving up. A lot of steam behind them, moving up draft boards, and get your get your view on it. Um, you know, one one player that I think should have been in the top ten or twelve that seems to be catching the eye of everybody now is AJ Brown. Um, player that we've talked about before, that rapport with with uh, Tannehill, having another year, uh, starting off the season with Tannehill, the confidence to go to a rookie uh, in big situations, the plays he's made, his size, his speed, his power, his hands, his route running after the catch ability. There, there's, there's a lot to like about A.J. Brown, and there are a lot of great receivers in that top 10 or 12. Do you feel A.J. Brown should be part of that fraternity? Oof. You know, I could easily make the case to, to flip. Yeah, I, I think 
Look, I, I have the view that this player will be used differently than he was last year and he'll catch a lot more balls with Tannehill uh, passing the whole year in, in Tennessee uh, if he can stay healthy, of course. But yeah, I think A.J. Brown is on the cusp of, of that top 10. I, I, w- I would agree with, with, with that. You know, I can, see, I can see cases for putting guys like Juju and Amari Cooper in there. Obviously, Mike Evans is close. I see Adam Thielen moving back. You know, there's a, there's, there's a lot of players moving moving back, but AJ Brown, I think, is in a in a prime situation to you know to catch 80 balls this year, and, and not for the 20 yards as you mentioned uh, in, in previous podcasts. But I think his volume will go up. So yeah, I, I I think he's a top 10 candidate for sure. Another player that used to make fun of two years ago. You 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 used to make fun of anyone that drafted the player Devonte Parker. <laughs> and last year, he the light switch or whatever went on, and now it seems everybody is a believer in Devonte Parker. So, from the leading author of the "I'm going to make fun of Devonte Parker and whoever drafts him" fan club from two years ago, have you turned around and done and have done a little bit of a 180 on Devonte Parker? Are you a believer in Devonte Parker this year? Yeah, and I think the the best thing about Devontae Parker is, you know, guys opting out all over the place in Miami. Um, I think just think he's got the trust of, of the quarterback. You know, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will be quarterbacking this team most of the year. Um, yeah, so I, I like his I like his situation, and, and uh, you know, it seems like things have finally clicked for the player. So Devontae Parker, to me, is, you know, in most draft boards is, is out of the top 20. Uh, I don't see that as being the case. I would I would slide him into the top twenty for me. Certainly, wide receiver too. I mean, he's got to be uh, in that group, and he could be a great complimentary receiver. Two players that have fallen off the radar completely, and it's due to somewhat their age a little bit, also. Probably the quarterback situation is probably 90% of the reason. But, man, you can count on Keenan Allen and Julian Edelman to catch 100 balls, to be so great in PPR leagues, and now they are off the radar. Keenan Allen is barely a top 20 receiver. He was always a guy that was a wide receiver one. He's barely being looked at as a wide receiver two. And you could look all the way down until you find Julian Edelman, who's barely considered a wide receiver three. So my question to you is, when it comes to these two players, is the drop in ADP correct for these two players, or is there too much of an adjustment? Is there an overreaction to their quarterback situation, and they're such great players, they should not be ranked that low? So I think, you know, when you look at the receiving core between the, the receivers on, on most people's big boards between 20 and 40, you know, it is a situation where you've got to make a decision on, on the direction of, you know, where you want to go as a, as a fantasy owner and who you like. And it's hard to turn your back on guys that have done it year in and year out, for sure. And Edelman and Allen, you know, fit into that criteria. And it's also, you know, when you have this excitement of this current rookie class coming in and a couple of super exciting second year wide receivers, even though one of them's coming back from an injury and that's a guy like Debo Samuel. Um, But there's a lot of interesting names on on this receiver list. And I think it's really depending on where you want to go. I I think generally speaking, I'm of the belief at running back for sure that I I like going with the younger guys. 
at receiver, I'm not quite sure. I'm just uncomfortable with the fact that both of those veterans are dealing with a change in, in their quarterbacks. If, there's, if, if, you know, if the quarterbacks were the same, would they be ranked here? The answer would probably be no. So it's not an age thing. It's, it's really a situational thing. So, you know, I think it's a – I can understand the person that wants to take the chance to draft those players as still as a, as a receiver too – but I also think it's a compelling argument to stay away. I, I, I would lean more towards uh, continuing to believe in, in, in Edelman uh, as being an option there and slightly less optimistic about Keenan Allen just because I just don't know how things are going to evolve with the Chargers in that passing game. So, But I think, you know, like I said, between 20 and 40, there's a lot of different opinions that people can carry as a result of the players, you know, the way they're listed. But you can make arguments for guys, you know, ranked as 35 to 40 that they should be ranked a lot higher and vice versa. Yeah, I think, I, I think you know, I look at Keenan Allen and when I look at the player, I think to myself, he's a top 10 receiver. He, he's one of the best, if not the best route runner, probably, you know, I don't know, Mike Thomas. Um, he, you know, right up there with him, he catches just about everything. He's so reliable, but man, the, the, the situation at quarterback, but so when it comes to these players, what's the philosophy? Is it, you know, I'm going to let somebody else just draft those guys because I'm so concerned about the quarterback situation or is look, if the price is right and I'm getting good value, I'm drafting those players. Which of those two is the thought process? I, I think if the price is right, you know, especially in an auction draft, I'm fine with having those players, you know, kind of rotate between a wide receiver, wide receiver two and three. Uh, but I'm, I, I would, I would want to have that ability to kind of rotate that. I, I'm not going to be super confident in either guy to perform in, on a consistent basis. Yeah, and then uh, one other wide receiver. I know you're a big Cortland Sutton guy. Um, and the, the the reports have just been tremendous about him, how he's looked, and he has the polished Jerry Judy joining him opposite him. Now, I'm not sure with Gordon and Lindsey and both those guys in the tight ends, it's going to support both guys having tremendous years. So with that being said, are you going to go with the guy who's been already in the system or the rookie when it comes to the Denver receivers? No, I'm going to lean on the guy that's been there. I'm going to lean on the third-year guy. I'm going to lean on Courtland Sutton. Courtland Sutton. You love yeah. that player. I do. I think he's, I think he's you know, I, I, again, not unbelievably consistent, but I don't think the quarterback play was necessarily that great last year. Locke came yeah. on, you know, very late in the season. Uh, and hopefully comes back a, a better and a stronger player. And, the, you know, the governors get lifted a little bit and they open up that offense. So I, he's been making a lot. I, they showed some highlight film catches by Cortland Sutton in practice the other day. Which just, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Another player that you really like that I think is just not even being, I don't know, I thought there'd be more steam behind the player because the rapport he built with Daniel Jones. But I, 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 I know you like Darius Slayton. And, man, he's barely ranked inside the top 50, barely wide receiver four. Are you going to be all over that every day and twice on Sunday with Darius Layton barely being inside the top 50? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm very concerned, even though I think Sterling Shepard's a good player, he's one of these concussion guys. And, you know, last year was a very scary time for him. Golden Tate is getting up in years. You know, you mentioned Evan Ingram being able to stay on the field. So, 
Yeah, I think Slayton built a great rapport with with Jones last year, and and he got down the field, and I think he gained the trust of the quarterback, and I don't see that shifting. I think I think Slayton is in a position. This is a late dra- late round draft pick uh, out of Auburn, but he seems to have a connection with with the quarterback, and uh, I, I think he's he's a he's a steal where he's being drafted right now. Yeah. Uh, any other, uh, you know, we, we can really talk about receivers, you know, hours and hours. There are so many interesting players. There's a lot of depth at the position. But before we turn it over to tight ends, any other wide receivers you wanted to go over or have a quick discussion about or ready to move on? No, no I, I will say this. I, I think there's a chance that you can have three Dallas Cowboy wide receivers get very close to 1,000 yards, if not go over a thousand yards. CD Lamb, they, they've called him the best receiver in the Cowboys camp so far. So I think that's really interesting. I'm not an Amari Cooper guy, so I don't mind that. Michael Gallup and, and Amari Cooper actually had very similar statistics last year. I think Amari Cooper is, is slightly overrated in ter- from fantasy perspective. I'm not knocking the player. I just think, I don't think there's that big a disparity between these three receivers. So I, I look at that situation and I'd say, the other situation that I'm looking at, well, well, actually, there's two. One is San Francisco is losing bodies left and right. Brandon Ayuk got hurt today, so I'm not sure who's going to be playing wide receiver. They already lost Jalen Hurd, who I thought was going to be a sleeper, and we don't know what's going to be happening with Debo Samuel. And I would pay very close attention to who's going to be playing wide receiver in Philadelphia because there are young guys that are making more noise. I don't like Jeffrey. I don't like Deshaun Jackson. Uh, John Hightower has looked the most impressive of all the receivers. Again, he was a late-round pick this year. It seems kind of preposterous that he's going to step in. But, you know, guys like him are making noise. And I think, you, you know, where there's, where there's a little smoke, uh, there, where there's a little smoke, there's fire. So uh, those are situations that I'm watching closely. But I am concerned. that I know who's going to be catching the ball in San Francisco, and it's going to be George Kittle. I don't know what receivers are going to be catching the ball. Yeah, for $15 million a year, I'm, I'm assuming the 49ers are counting on him. But I'll tell you, you really have not had the best of luck with these 49er guys. First of all, you taunted one of our guys in our fantasy football league, calling him out that you were going to pummel him and wanted him in your division. Like two days later, Debo Samuel got hurt. Then you did a TikTok video on Jalen Hurd. He's out for the year. Then you did another TikTok video about Brandon Ayuk, and he's hurt as well. I mean, the 49ers should consider, like, paying you some kind of salary not to talk about any of their players because uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to field the roster the way you're going here. I guess right now it's it's uh, the guy that we liked a couple of years ago, Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne yeah. are the two wide receivers there at the moment. Yeah, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be in there, yeah, so uh, – Look out for that. It just goes to show that you know the wide receiver position is uh, it's deep. A lot of a lot of good players, a lot of depth. That's where you could really win your league if you make some good calls at the receiver position because there are a lot of receivers, like you were saying, in that twenty to forty range can, that can really be close to wide receiver one this year. Certainly inside the top twenty, and you could draft them like you know, they're being drafted as like thirtieth, fortieth at the position, so that's where you could really, uh, I believe, do a lot of damage and, uh, and, and, and win your league. And, and Wiz, um, I, I just would add one last thing, you know, at receiver. I, again, last night it was very reflected that those young receivers are all going pretty dirt cheap in these auction drafts, and that would, that would be conducive to very late-round drafts in, in snake drafts. So I'm intrigued with a few of these guys. Uh, I think there's a number of them are going to get an opportunity to play early. 
Um, but they're being ranked pretty cheaply uh, in terms of an, on, on an auction basis, at least. That was the case in my uh, ESPN mock auction last night. All right. Fair enough. Let's uh... – and you got 12 guys for that for the auction draft? Yeah, Actually, 12 teams the, participated in that? 12 teams, and they were signed up early. And did they stick around for the most part of the draft? Yeah, like the first eight or nine rounds, they stuck around. Yeah, yeah that's good. I mean, I just hate when guys, you know, spend their money on two or three players in those mock drafts and then leave. You just don't get a realistic view. But, uh, you know, if you could do one with your buddies, uh, and, you know, you could have most of them in that draft room to do a mock draft, that would probably be – the best case scenario. So let's, let's move lastly to tight end. Um, man, a lot of tight ends that we've been covering and talked about, they seem to be some of these guys specifically. Let's start with um, Titans, Jonah Smith, who we talked about is going to get a real chance. I know you like the player as well. Um, he's outside of the top 15 certainly outside of the top 12 and everyone so he's not even drafted as a tight end one and that that's a player that could be in that eric ebron is another one of these guys clearly not drafted inside the top 15 and then way down the list the forgotten guy trey burton of all players somebody you mentioned not even considering the top 20 25 at the position is getting a lot of talk, a lot of momentum, and if he can become the starter at Indianapolis with Phillip Rivers, who we know loves throwing the ball to the tight end, man, that could be a real, real great sleeper pick. So talk about those three players. Are you buying the hype and the momentum behind um, all of those players? So first off, you and I have talked about this already. Um, Tight end, we think, is, is super deep this year. And I, I even did a TikTok on it this morning like where I, where I called it the zero tight end po- um, a strategy where as much as you and I, we love the top four or five tight ends, right? Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Ertz, uh, Darren Waller, that, that would be my top five. We love all those players. We're not arguing that. But, but we think there's incredible value late. And the players you just mentioned, you know, a Jonu Smith, who, who could be really, really, really interesting – um, because they don't have a, a lot of receivers around him. Um, you know, guys like Hayden Hurst, I'd mention as well, who's moving, who's moved up quite a bit. Um, yeah, Ebron, you know, there are times in his career where, where Ben Roethlisberger has made it a haven to go to his tight end, you know, particularly in the Heath Miller era. So could we see that happen again? You know, Ebron's got to keep his head on straight, but absolutely. And Frank Reich, I listened to him in an interview with Bill Polian the other day. And he could not stop gushing about Trey Burton. And, you know, just listening to the coach talk about the player, believe it or not, Jack Doyle's actually hurt right now. And, and Doyle is not the swiftest of foot. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the offense that, the, you know, the Colts offense essentially is going to be very similar with Phillip Rivers. Frank Wright came out of that system as well. So it's a great situation for, for the tight end spot. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I mean, you got to look at it. You got to pay attention. Trey Burton's going to be dirt cheap, I would think. I mean, 
I don't know if people keep listening to this, they may, may think differently. He's ranked pretty low right now, but you make compelling cases for those guys. And there's a bunch of other guys. I know, you know, Irv Smith Jr. I was, I was reading that article the other day about they're playing him outside a little bit, experimenting with that. They're going to play two tight ends a lot there. He's probably being ranked too low. Uh, as I mentioned, Gasicki uh, in Miami, where there is not a lot of receiver options there. He's basically going to be the red zone threat there. Uh, I, I just, I just, and, and the second half of last year, he played phenomenally well. So there's a number of guys who can catch easily, you know, 50, 60, 70 balls, you know, for that 7, 800 and 6, 7 touchdowns. You know, you've mentioned the, the Seattle situation. I don't want to elaborate a little bit more, but. But that's an interesting one because Russell Wilson did look to look to his tight ends there. I mean, he spread it out amongst four of them last year, but, but he didn't have Greg Olson on his roster last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at the position, yeah, you want to go early and take Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Ertz, Darren Waller. I, I'm good with that. But I, I don't like the trio of Ingram, Henry, and Jared Cook. So... I personally would not spend money on those players, and I would not, in a snake draft, you know, draft those players early. To me, there are far more many interesting players. Hayden Hurst, Tyler Higby, Gusecki, uh, you know, uh, John Smith, Ebron, Blake Jarwin, Olsen, um, Trey Burton, that you could wait and wait and wait to take Irv Smith. Is in that group. Uh, Chris, so, Chris Herndon's Chris Herndon's getting a lot of uh, good press as well coming out of the Jets camp. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think there are far more interesting players. So as far as I'm concerned, you want to go take one of those five tight ends, have at it, take them early. They're kind of short bets. After that, I'm not thrilled with that next grouping of Henry and Ingram who could stay on the field, and I believe Jared Cook is not going to repeat that touchdown dependent last year that he had. It's kind of like the Aaron Jones of, of running back where he just had an obscene amount of touchdowns. It's just it, almost impossible to duplicate. So I'm saying that, you know, a bunch of guys, Dallas Goddard, another guy, there, there are a lot of tight ends that you can wait a lot of rounds to pick or draft for nothing in an auction draft that are far more interesting than those players and can outproduce those three guys because I don't think, you know, it's a lock that they're going to stay on the field because they just haven't proven so. Like, I got to see Henry and Ingram stay on the field for 16 games. If they do it, I tip my hat to whoever drafts them, but they're not going to be on my teams this year. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. I am, you know, can't, can't really disagree with you. But, uh, but look, this news is coming in fast and furious. There's a lot of different things going on. Uh, it's very different than anything. Normally, like I said, we'd be getting ready for, what, week three of the preseason we would be watching tonight. Um, and unfortunately, we're, we have to go by what's being talked about in practice. I think, I think the NFL Network has had pretty good coverage of this. You know, they've been looking in on camps. Um, you know, if you have access to Sirius Satellite Radio, they, they've, been, they've been spending a lot of time at camps as well. The interviews are very interesting. Uh, and like I said, it doesn't take much to go look at the local newspapers and listen to what those beat writers are saying because they are sitting there every single day. So that's, you know, that's kind of what you have to go by. And, and, that, and, that's your, and those are your options. So we don't have the ability to see everything that we normally would see into a typical NFL season. I just want to say one other thing. I saw some highlights of the um, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, um, you know, with Gronkowski, how he looked. Um, and, uh, man, <laughs> I don't know what to make of this because he just looked 
absolutely fantastic. He he looks light. I have a feeling that the you know the, the I have a feeling that the the the, the Bucks are going to monitor his his snap count this year. So um, I think that's that's something you know to keep it to keep an eye on. But uh, you know what's the whole thoughts on Gronk? I mean, just such an interesting player. Um, how do you feel about him coming into the year? I, you know, if there wasn't two other tight ends here, and if he wasn't out of football last year, I, I would probably be a little bit more comfortable. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where the guy's head's at, um, and, and literally because you know the the guy was forced to do you know all kinds of brain exercises to kind of heal himself, uh, you know, post kind of his uh, reti- initial retirement. So I, I don't I don't know. I, I I'm I'm I, I think Gronk is a great player. He's probably an one of the more underrated blockers, and I think that that will be his bigger contribution. That's not to say he's not going to score seven or eight touchdowns, but I would be a reluctant uh, owner of Rob Gronkowski if the situation uh, came to be the where I, I was a, an owner of uh, of Gronk. It's, it, I can I can understand that. I, I'm just thinking about that rapport that he has with Brady. I mean, it's just. It, you can't, it's undeniable, you know, the comfort the comfort level that he has with Gronk. So uh, it may start off with Gronk is going to be on a snap count, but who knows if they get into these tight games or games that they have to win if Gronk doesn't get out there, you know, more often. But he's certainly an interesting player. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, let me ask you this, Wiz. Will, will Howie Z be drafting Gronk this year? Well, he's coming in with Brady. Godwin is protected. Evans, yeah, I mean, I think he'll, I think he'll, I think he'll, yeah, I think he'll go after Gronk in some, in some form. I, I do believe that. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's the, he's the unpredictable one. So I'm talking about Howie, that is. So you never could be quite sure. But, um, yeah, great, great stuff. Covered a lot of ground. Talked about a lot of players that I'm flying up and some guys who are kind of forgotten on the draft board trying to talk about value because that's what it's all about. It's not so much about the talent and the ability of the player. No one's denying that Elman and Keenan Allen and guys like that are, are terrific players. It's where they're taken and, um, and, and, and creating value and comparing – the ADP that a lot of people had these players at compared to where you feel, and what I mean by you, people out there who are listening and, and, and entering fantasy leagues, where you feel that player should be. That's, that's about a, what it's about. It's about creating value. So uh, anything else you wanted to add? Nope. That is it. That, that is it for me and Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. That's where you want to come to. Over 50 years of combined experience. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Wiz at gmail.com if you want to talk about something specific. You know, this is, we're going to teach you. We're going to hold your hand, and uh, we're going to make you win. All right? So, Wiz, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and look forward to catching up again next week. Yep, you do the same.